God, I love his playing. This is Electric Violin Shop's podcast, Rockstar Violinist. I'm Matt Bell. I first saw Patrick Contreras in a Facebook video. He was absolutely destroying this junker of a violin and making it sound way better than it had any business sounding. So I reached out to him, and we actually became friends pretty fast. He's an incredibly rare combination of young talent, hunger, and humility. Patrick drove down from his house in Fresno to meet me at my rental place in Anaheim in January during NAMM. We actually got almost three hours of tape, and it was really hard to condense it down into what you'll hear here. So there'll be a few conversations that you might sort of walk into the middle of. I'll try to set them up the best I can with some voiceovers. This episode is sponsored by Electric Violin Shop, the one-stop shop for all your electric string needs. EVS carries 20 brands of electric violins, and every EVS employee plays electric violin or cello. No one in the world has that kind of selection or knowledge. ElectricViolinShop.com. Check them out today. Right now, we're listening to some live tape of Patrick playing some blues in a club in California. Enjoy this for a sec, and then we'll get on to our interview with Patrick Contreras, rock star violinist. So you you just put out a video. Um, yeah, really, really good video, by the way. Thank you. I love great shooting, and, Thank you. and um, if you guys. As you're listening, if you uh, tell them where to find the video, um, on my my Facebook, um, El Violin, or it's uh, Facebook.com/slash/I am El Violin. You can find it there. Um, you search YouTube El Violin Tijuana, it'll pop right up. So yeah, just sort of talk us through that song and, and what was the writing process and and you know maybe a little bit of the video and the recording. Just okay. sort of break it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so musically, the vibe I was kind of going for was. Um, Basically, taking all my years of experience as a musician, and I was like, this year I'm going to make a statement, or, you know, 2017 or whatever, the end of 2017. With this record and this project, El Violin, I'm going to make a statement of who I am as a musician. Like, I've done all those years, I've kind of gone through a rock phase, EDM phase, hip-hop, classical, gypsy jazz, Cuban, whatever. If I took it all and mashed it up, what would I sound like? I want to, like, if I was a burrito, what would my burrito <laughs> sound like? You know, like, like, legitimately, that's how I thought. And I was like, so I... I started like finding my voice, going back, watching my old videos, seeing what phrases I did, just like how I attack, when do I vibrato, not vibrato, what's my style, like really analyzing myself. And uh, then like, like what I, I was, just came up with this little line, this little dun, 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 this like basic, almost cliche little line for like, I don't know, some of you think a little Mexican plucky thing, that would be it, or I think, in my head. So I started with that, and then I just started recreating, like, the way I write music is, um, I'll think of a scene, and then I'll paint that scene, like, almost like soundtracky. So I, I just remember, like, going to San Diego, and uh, it's kind of like out of college, I got into flamenco. Like, hardcore flamenco, not like uh, Esteban, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the Arizona Gypsy, like, legit flamenco, like, crazy screaming and yelling and clapping and dancing and, like... You know, so much flamenco snobbery going on. Like, I got, I jumped in that scene and was, like, improvising and, and learned Arabic scale and the whole night. And so the thing we used to do after the young people would be like, hey, man, let's go to Tijuana and go get tacos, like, after the shows, you know. 
So by the time you get out of the club, even if it's like a flamingo club, it's closed at 1. By the time you get paid, it's one thirty, and you're freaking starving, you know? So right. we hit the road to go cross over to Tijuana, or just go to the border, get a taxi, and go get tacos. I did this for about like a year and a half, like I was going down there, so... So many crazy stories, you know. So yeah, I was like, right. okay, so. Most of them you can't tell. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, how can I um, paint this picture of what it was like? And so I just started late night Tijuana and just kind of chill, like this almost like, I don't know, dub type vibe when in the song that you hear the bass is like very dubby. Like when I mean dubby, like I mean like 50s, 60s Jamaican music, um, boom, boom, like the, the way we edit it and everything. So then, um, anyway. I'm like painting this picture and then as I'm as I'm going I'm like okay what's my sound and I'm just like instead of thinking about it just like sort of let go so like the lines are a lot of long lines um, there's some R&B inflection in there there's like definitely a little bit of jazz um, but it's basically two chords I'm doing all this stuff over two chords sure. and so that's the idea and I wanted this quasi Mexican vibe so it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like which we didn't get yet so I'm hoping sometime I can I don't know, do the remix or something and get what I want to do. Just go to Tijuana late night, film it, get tacos in the whole night. And I wanted to capture, like, seeing kids play in the street, like, play soccer while their, like, parents are cooking tacos for, like, tourists, you know. Sure. But they're there, you know, they don't want them to be at the home by themselves. So I hear these little kids in the night. Just, like, the stuff in Tijuana that you wouldn't think to see or the the little things everybody might miss or, like, the murals that are, there's all Mm -hmm. kinds of murals. So... Anyway, that's the vibe. When you when you when you see the video, I'm I'm going through in Fresno, which which we fooled a lot of people. <laughs> there was some people from Tijuana we didn't fool, uh, but majority you know seemed to not even notice. Uh, but we we shot a a, a swap a flea market in Fresno and uh, and I filmed it in there. And the reason why I filmed it is I was like that's the closest I could get. Right. In Fresno, there's a lot of people from Mexico and stuff, and you so capture the vibe. Yeah, I was like yeah. this is the closest I could get, and so you know we did it, but. Uh, so yeah, so the music is is very, um, you know, if I it's 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 supposed to be intended as like this nuevo, like this Chicano sound. When I say Chicano, I mean like like Santana would be the Chicano artist, mm-hmm. like an American. It's, it's an American invention, but it's like we're sort of like this Mexican American product of like listening to R and B and jazz, but yet it's still Mexican American tinged. I would say Santana. Sure. So. Um, that's what I kind of had in mind here was to kind of create the sound. And I, I just was thinking, you know, except for you mentioned Jesus Florido, like, I really like anybody doing this. And I just thought this feels like I found something. And, and I was a little nervous at first because my audience is not that, like I've built myself off the, I'm the guy who plays Hendrix, you know, type of thing. So you get a lot of hippies, a lot of bikers, a lot of like, I'm used to playing for those roadhouse type crowds, and so I didn't know how they were going to respond to what I'm doing here because I completely made a left turn. But man, it felt good. Like as soon as I did it, I just I don't know. I'm 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 excited about it. I'm, who knows what's going to happen? This this it's all happening now. Like we're in, we got shows in LA like this month uh, or next month. Um, so who knows? I don't know. But create an original sound, something that I can sit back and say this is mine. You know, we all got to work, and so I do my my winery gigs and sure. pay good you know hey you allow me to do El Violin which is my creative side but yeah creating like this sort of Chicano sound on the violin and and, and the more that I just zoned in on that the more I realized I was like man I have a unique story to tell here a unique way of phrasing like like we all have these paths and I was just like this represents my path from classical to going into jazz going into here and there and then yeah so 
don't know. I can probably... It's the best way to summarize it. Yeah. I, I love the video. I love, I love the tune. Cool. Thank you. It's good stuff. Obviously, this is one of Patrick's original tunes called Tijuana. It's the one he and I were just talking about. Now, this next, this is going to be one of those conversations you're going to sort of walk into the middle of. Uh, Patrick and I were talking about our mutual friend, Kyla Vera, uh, who is featured in episode five, and her band, Metalachi. I was doing this Elf Island Project. I want to make sure, as I'm doing this now, like... I'm sort of doing that too, but like I want to be careful not to like. I've been very what because they they play Fresno a lot. I've opened up for them Fresno. Kyla came on stage with me when we were when I when my band was doing Cashmere, and then we traded off like a Middle Eastern rock yeah. thingy. So they're awesome. Yeah, I know, and and I mean, because I'm doing like more like a Hendrix type, like sound like, like they don't have a drummer. Right, it's a trip. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're rock. They they they're they're really good. Yeah, they're they're booked and busy so they're crazy yeah <laughs> they're crazy you know I've, I've been at some some really hardcore party bands those guys party yeah for sure yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah I mean I think and, and that's the thing like I got my black violin hat here I, you know I interviewed those guys they've got they've sort of said well we played classical music in school mm-hmm. and we listened to hip hop when we got home and we thought well how do we how do we bring those two worlds together? Right. And they had a new thing. Right. And you know, you're doing that. And I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people Rachel Grace uh-huh. is a conservatory trained musician, mm-hmm. but she likes EDM music. 
and you go, okay, well, how do I bring those two worlds together? Right. right. So I think some of your more interesting artists today are people who go, I want to take this thing from way over here and this right. thing from way over here. I'm going to take pieces of both of those mm. and create something new. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, this, uh, that's like the, the progression of like, um, you know, I think where strings are at right now, it's like there's this whole, uh, there's a lot of like people like, um, probably like, you're classically trained? Mm-hmm. So like, this is like, you see this a lot now, you're starting to see more and more. We barely came out of the woodwork like, Right. What, five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been it's been a trip. Um, and see, watching the stream world kind of develop, you know, feels kind of weird saying that, but like watching develop and seeing what YouTube has done for like violin. I mean, we don't need your radio, man. We got right. like whatever. I got subscribers on YouTube. I don't need whatever. Like I got my own following. So no, it's 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 pretty crazy. So what was it? You remember the the ska band, the, the real big fish? Yeah. Yeah, they had that line, their radio plays what they want you to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, not, not anymore. I'm not a slave to FM radio anymore. Right, right. You know, the, uh, the programming directors at, at FM stations don't get to decide what I listen to. Mm-hmm. With Spotify and Pandora. No, it's totally opened it up, yeah. yeah. And, and then there's like related artists and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So. In fact, Jesus is a, uh, is a producer, and he was talking, he and I were talking earlier, and it said, you know, the whole business has changed. You know, people go, well, I signed a record deal. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry right. that your career is going so poorly yeah. that you had to sign a record deal. <laughs> you mean you're going to hand your deal over to somebody else? Yeah. yeah. No, wow, it's if you're doing well, you could just do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And and that model is completely different now. Yeah, yeah. It totally opened up, so I'm happy about that because, you know, yeah. it gives a chance for all. I mean, shoot, it's pretty awesome to be an independent artist and, like, Actually, you know, we'll see. Although we'll see with that violin, but but like you know, the YouTube stuff is like it's kind of nice. Huh? I'm not like crazy. Don't get crazy money out there or anything, but decent. Where I'm like, oh, all that's right. an electric bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Take my electric <laughs> Yeah. So now it's it's it, it it's cool. I'm hoping that um, you know this year to to really build. I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm building an L violin sound for sure. So you oh. recently went through sort of a, a it, it I saw it unfold on Facebook that you were sort of doing well yeah you know gosh am I gonna do yeah. el, el violin or right. am I gonna you know what am I gonna do and and I think your your fans sort of spoke right I mean and I, I thought that was a really 2017 thing right where you know, artists get to interact with their fans in more in real time than they ever did in the past. Right. Right. So, you know, you go back and look at, at uh, Van Halen. Mm-hmm. They changed lead singers, and then they had to wait. Right. We're going to change lead singers. We're going to put out an album, and then we have to wait and see how this thing does. Right. And it takes us six months or a year to get feedback. And in today's world, you can go on Facebook and go... Hey, I'm sort of thinking about ditching this Elvulin thing, and, uh, you know, what do y'all think? And in six hours, you've got your answer. It was a resounding <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that's the, it's kind of fun, you know? I, I didn't used to do that, but it's kind of fun. I don't know, getting getting the feedback, and, you know, and you kind of like... I wanted to keep it, but I wanted to see if there was enough... And I don't know, people wanted it, and, you know, I'm, like, going to do this. It's, it's a financial risk, because I'm putting... 
I mean, not everything I got into, but I put a good chunk of change into it. The, sure. Those musicians, those recordings just didn't happen, you know, and the producing, the mastering, the video, you know, it runs, it, if one thing after another, it starts to run in, oh, you yeah. know, publishing, and so I was like, if I want to do this, I want to do this, and no, I'm, I'm glad I did, I'm keeping with it. The idea is, like, the El Violin name came from, like, okay, honestly, if I was like, okay, I'm wrapping this up, how do I market this thing, and I was like... If I was a character in a... Are you familiar with Robert, Robert Rodriguez? The film? So him and Quarantina, Quentin Tarantino worked together a lot of years. Um, and so Robert Rodriguez went off his own, did the... Um, what's the big one? Dust Till Dawn. Okay. This is one of his big movies. He did El Violin, Mariachi, Desperado. All these sort of like South, South United States, Western kind of, I don't know, crazy characters. So I was like, if I was a character in a Robert, Robert Rodriguez movie, what would I be? I just thought, everybody's always like, what do you got in the case, you know? And I just thought, okay, so there's El Mariachi with the gun in his case, the famous right. cover, and I thought, El Violin. And it's like, I, like, I don't know. It's just kind of how I got the name. I don't even know why I went off to that story, but yeah, it's just kind of funny. But, uh... <laughs> talked about the marriage of two styles combining to create something really unique. Patrick has experimented with this pretty extensively, actually. Here's a tune he did combining Celtic fiddling with EDM music. talk about your journey like I mean sort of in, in this and I don't look at a journey as having an end point so much of course they all have a starting point mm -hmm. where, where was where did your musical journey start so I started uh, playing classical music studied Suzuki did the whole nine um, my parents got me into it I think my dad just made a roll of the house so he was really really strict on like me playing violin um I don't even know why. Just but you were raised where in Fresno? In Fresno. Okay. Um, kind of in a, in a real bad neighborhood called nicknamed Chemical City mm -hmm. because of all the drugs in the area. So um, violin wasn't something you saw like right. me carrying my violin case around. You know, it was kind of different. Um, but my dad just was like really strict on it. So I, I started violin, went to orchestra, um, did the whole nine. You know, um, got a teacher, did Suzuki. And then got into mariachi music. Uh, my dad wanted me to do it. I didn't want to do it. Because, you know, I'm third generation. So I was like the generation that has nothing to do with right. it. Like, you know, come on, dad, you're embarrassing me. Swim in a cone. Yeah, it's like, no, I'm not going to wear this big old ridiculous hat. Like, you know? <laughs> so it, it kind of, but, you know, I got into it. Um, it's kind of nice to start making some money. Actually, I was like, wow, you can actually make money playing music? Like, oh, I didn't yes. think about that. Yeah, so... Getting into mariachi, and then, um... So how old were you? About 13. Okay. You know, doing that in classical, two different worlds. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, living in an extremely crazy neighborhood, you know, um, like, 
we had like I'm not selling the whole bad neighborhood thing, but if, but I'm being honest at the same time. You know, we had like drive-bys or like people see my violin case like if I'd walk from school. I had to learn how to fight like young because I had to like you're either going to take my violin or I'm going to defend myself basically. So yeah, so wa- yeah. walking home from school through bad neighborhoods or being, like, you know, stuff like that. Um, I suppose that goes, that builds my, build my sound too in some way. Sure. But um, yeah, so this Sort of that paints a picture for like growing up. So I had this classical. It meant more. I always loved the music, but like what it meant more was like structure because I was coming from a world that was out of no structure. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a lot of drugs, gangs, bad stuff going on. Um, so cl- to go into like orchestra and like you know, and I made it into like our youth philharmonic, like our honors orchestra and all that. So like being those worlds and like see the kids get dropped off, they're like Volvo. Yeah, you know, whatever. Like, so, so your school district had rich kids. Well, I too. mean, I mean, well, well so the or- the youth orchestras and stuff were not like in my area. It would be like, at, oh, okay, it'd be like at the college sure. where I meant. But I lived on the other side of the tracks, so to speak. So, like that juxtaposition, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. was always like huge, huge difference. Like just coming out of one environment, going to another. But so. Classical music, I guess I developed an early love for it only because it was, like, structure. Like, that was probably what I needed, you know, like, to keep my mind right or straight or whatever. And, like, you know, that it, that, that music is extremely expressive. So I think something in that music um, helped me from, like, I don't know, getting in trouble, basically, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that structure, that outlet, that emotional outlet, uh, of course I didn't tell anybody I was playing the orchestra because I just get beat up more, but <laughs> or I have to defend myself more. But, but that 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 development and that love of music started there. So, um, like I said, it built up into mariachi, and then I went into college, um, totally going as my mind like obsessed with classical violin, like obsessed with Isai Paganini, studying like um, I was concert master, so I'd like you know, hoity-toity thing going on, like, I was all this and that bag of chips, you know, like, uh, totally assuming that's what I'm going to do, um, already playing in orchestras, so, like, I'm driving up and down California, doing, like, what they call the 99, which is, like, a freeway in California, so there's, like, a bunch of orchestras, so, like, you're on the 99, I mean, like, you're playing Sacramento Orchestra, Bakersfield, Fresno, there's, like, this run, so I was already doing that, and that's when I mentioned to San Diego, I got into flamenco, someone asked me, hey, you want to jam in a flamenco band? And I was like, I kind of improvised in violin. And I was like, all right. So I got into the, uh, got into playing flamenco. And then from there, got into like a Gypsy Kings rock thing, mm, yeah. like a Spanish rock type of band. And then uh, the guitarist there was really into like virtuoso guitar players. So he was like, hey man, have you heard of Jason Becker? Have you heard of Malmsteen? Have you heard of... Uh, all the neoclassical uh, Yeah, which yeah. I hadn't heard of, and like I mentioned, Earl mentioned it, I think it was Earl, that was like a, kind of the first natural progression, or no, I think it was um, Tina Guo, Tina Guo mm. mentioned this, it was, yeah. the, that's the first sort of natural progression for a lot of us. That's the gateway drug. Right, right. Neoclassical. It's okay because they're still technically good, you know, right. like, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're still shredding, so it, you know, I got into that, went through that phase, <laughs> um, and then he just was like, hey man, you're trying with the wah pedal? I was like, oh, no, no. So he gave me a wah pedal, sounded 
terrible, but I thought it sounded good, you know. Um, and then just, like, it built from there. Um, they eventually broke up, and then someone in Fresno was like, hey, I want to I book you for a solo gig. And I was like, um, I don't have a singer. And they're like, no, no, you. And I'm like, no, no, I, I don't even have a band, you know. <laughs> like They're like, no, we want to hire you. So anyway, it was this art museum called Arte Medicus. They hired me, and I put a band together. And I was like, well, where am I going to play? And so I was kind of doing, like, in a gypsy jazz at that time. So I, I don't know, we'll do a gypsy jazz song. I have to do a rock song. Like, What's the coolest rock song of all time? I was like, in my head, it was Cashmere, you know? So I was like, all right, okay, I guess I'll do Cashmere. And then um, what else, you know? It was like a, a hodgepodge of, you know, kind of everything. And then um, it got really popular in that area. So I had, like, a little regional run playing shows under my name. And then, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's a lot little tiny more things in there but pretty much leading up to becoming a solo career that's how it kind of developed so yeah so when you went to college you went to music school so um no I went to Fresno State and um just went Bulldogs to, yeah yeah I mean, that's crazy you know? <laughs> uh yeah so Fresno State Bulldogs um went studied music and was doing it full time like practicing like eight hours a day intense class school you know and doing recitals and the whole nine so um yeah so you got a degree in music? Yeah, um, I didn't finish my degree because I, I got in, I mean, that's when I got into the flamenco thing and we were touring, so I was like, ah, well, I'm just going to go do it. So, um, I It's like a football player. I know. I'm leaving early. I know, I know, I know. Oh, I do want to go back and finish. I do, but I don't know. I'm working more than, you know. Hendrix didn't have a music degree. I know, I know. I, I, it's always like a weird subject because I'm like, I just want to finish it because it's like the right thing to do supposedly, right. but at the same time, doing pretty well more more than better than most musicians that were in my classes like right. know, they're hardly working or not even in music you know I could do it for full time so where did the improv come from did that come from the from the mariachi thing you know I just always did that since I was like since I was a little kid I would just always make up little songs or like I would get in trouble in orchestra because I would add notes mm. so I was like I think, I think that little line would go better with this you know me too I, 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 <laughs> So I, I get in serious. I get in trouble. I remember one time. Um, so this was at. Hope my old teachers don't listen. Fresno City College, <laughs> and um, I made it into the honors recital. So that was like the top five in the music department. So as they saw it, mm -hmm. it was like an oboe player, singer, me, a piano player, whoever they deemed as like the top five. You know. So I'm in there, and then we get to do anything. So I was like. This is when I was kind of starting, you know, getting barely getting to flamenco. So I arranged Carmen for like a flamenco thing. Oh yeah! The crowd went crazy. I remember like what that was. It was they they went nuts. Like mm, seemed more than the others, but then like um, I remember like a, a week after or something. I remember like it was near the end of the year because the recitals at the end of the year, going checking grades or something, and the teachers were like talking crap about me like. And I heard it, and I was just like a spear, oh, just like yeah. <laughs> I was like, they were like, did you see that? Uh, see that? Who does he think he is? Blah blah blah, and like you know, and I was like, I was like, what? I was shocked because the crowd had responded right. so good to it, but now I got in trouble. So anyway, and this has started the rebellion. Uh, you know, that's what rock and roll is all about. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, <laughs> if, if like the old people like it, it must not be. I know. <laughs> I was like. I was like, what? And yeah, anyway, so... That, and it, it's been cool, though, since since. I've had teachers 
couple of teachers that were in on that conversation, I don't think they knew that I heard, mm-hmm. but they, a couple of them, like, sent messages, like, saying, hey, you know, sorry we were still stuck in the mud back in those days, you know. Oh, that's cool. It was kind of a validation. Redemption. Yeah, yeah right. One was a message, one was, um, we were both waiting in line at Starbucks and happened to be there. And, oh, wow. And then just talking, I wasn't even thinking of that, I mean, I did in the back of my head, but I was like, well, we're talking now, and then he just kind of said, you know what, I'm sorry that, that you got a bad rap back then, it wasn't called for and we were just like you know the improvising violin thing wasn't new like it had never happened before but it definitely right. wasn't like as prolific as it is it, now it wasn't mainstream no sure. no no there was yeah. no Lindsey Sterling's or anybody right. doing that yet so uh, it was very rare like and know. the thing is you go back and, and Grappelli and, right. you know, and, and people were doing it and of course in bluegrass and Appalachian right. music they've yeah. been doing it for <laughs> God Forever, knows how yeah. long but somehow the establishment hasn't gotten the memo. Mm. Yeah, that, still. <laughs> that, you know, I mean, this is, you, you can go back a hundred years and some of that old mountain music and right. the Texas style fiddling mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Extremely you, difficult. Improv, it, it's not, it's not, we didn't invent this. Our generation didn't invent this. But it certainly um, has not been super accessible to, I guess, mainstream culture. Right, right. No, it's, I mean, and, and, I mean, if you look back to, like, the box stuff, like, there's the old original manuscripts, like, there's openings for yeah. improvisation, so... I would... I kind of like to think that there was a little bit of improvisation. Yeah, you can look at Mozart and, yeah. the, you know, the, the cadenzas. Right, right. You know, it, was, it was originally intended to uh-huh. be an improv. I know. It didn't really... What it, I don't know how it started that we had to play the exact right. dance that Chrysler did or or, right. or whatever. Like, when did that become a thing? Like when I, people couldn't improv anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not any good at improv, so I'll just play with to you. To me, play. it's like you showing, not only can you play the music that they wrote, but then here's your chances to, like, do you. Yeah, and to take like, your spin on it. Yeah. To me, that would be, like, the ultimate. But right. I guess that kind of... Um, but yeah. I think, you know, improv has been around for a while, but it was largely underground mm-hmm. until like the guitar heroes of the 60s, 70s and 80s um, and so I, I sort of feel like maybe electric violin is now maybe where electric guitar was uh-huh. in, the, in the 60s, 70s and 80s right. it's starting to become recognized as like I, I guess there's a stereotype about what a violin is right. what role it should play mm-hmm. what hole it should fill Mm -hmm. and you know our the generation before us the mark woods of the world right we're starting to to sort of push people away from that stereotype and i think our generation's just taking it yeah absolutely further yeah and i think even the next generation is going to even like yeah the door so it's not even a weird thing anymore like they never it's just gonna right the kids that are in school right now listening to these podcasts and and part of the purpose of this podcast is to inspire Mm. Because who listens to podcasts? Certainly not old people. Yeah. Um, you know, podcasts are. <laughs> so the kids are listening to this, and they're in orchestra, and they're going, well, you know, Gustav Holtz doesn't really, you know, it's cool, but mm-hmm. I don't really see myself doing this right. in 30 years. Yeah, well, what do you see yourself doing in 30 years? Could it involve music? Right. And maybe you're going to listen to Patrick Contreras talk about where he came from and where he's taking it. Right. Or maybe you're listening to Tina Guo talk about where she's from, where she's taking it, and you go, I don't want to do that, but I do want to do this. Right, right. And, you know, you can 
there's you guys listening, it's up to you. You, you got to stand on the shoulders of the people that came before you and, and, and take it to the next level. You basically got to kick our ass. That's what the whole Yeah, is. I hope you do. <laughs> Me too. I hope you're way better than us. Because I have something to listen to in my nursing home. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Um, in fact, a few students, I teach a little bit, so I have like, I keep it small on purpose because my playing schedule is crazy. Right. Um, but I'll, I have like seven or eight students. I just teach on Mondays and Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's always like the big thing. It's like, I always believe in classical training since I had it. So, and I know it, so I pass it on. Sure. But man, we learn like all kinds of different stuff. You know, we're, we're chopping, we're doing chords, learning about chord structures. Yep. Like my job is to teach them this tool as an instrument. And I'm always like trying to see each individual where they start to lean towards. And then I sort of take them down that road. And if, you know, I can only go so far then like if it's bluegrass, I'll take them to a certain level. I can take you up to here. Yeah. And then, you well, know, somebody mix with you in scale and after yeah, that you're on your yeah, own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, pretend you don't have any teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I always wish I, I was like, man, why didn't I, I wish I had a teacher that like kind of helped me with that. Cause it was so like, but see, that's guitar pedagogy, right? And not violin. I don't know if I'm saying the word right, it, but that's, that's the, that's the theory of teaching guitar. I, right. You know, I'm all my influences are guitar players. So all my friends who are guitar players, you know, a lot of them will teach a little bit, and it's sort of like kid comes in. You go, well, kid, what do you want to play? The kid goes, well, I really like Green Day. Okay, let's right. teach you how to play Green Day. Right. Whereas in violin, you come in and they go, you're going to learn Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you're learning lightly row, like it or not. Right. <laughs> Why do I have to learn lightly row? <laughs> um, so I think. And of course, you have to learn how to play the instrument, right? right. And learning to play the the, the violin, the proper method, is is way more difficult than learning to play Straight the guitar. Up. Right? So hard, yeah. So, but I think once a certain level of skill is acquired, then you know maybe the kid should have some input on right. what he wants to play. Right, right. Yeah, those. I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do, like. One of the things I do is we'll take a pop song, like the 21 Pilots. Everybody wants to do sure. that. Okay. But we'll talk We'll talk about bow lifts. We'll talk about, I'll apply little things. Or we'll take a bass line, right? And we can play that because it's usually three or four notes with right. a certain combination. Or we'll make up a rhythm, rhythm that works with. So, I mean, there's really a lot you can do. But I do think, though, as far as the teaching process, there has to be some sort of method or, like, clearly, like, you know, that you can't feel out like teaching needs to yeah. be like like on because a good teaching good teaching will like set up that player for like you know basically how they're gonna develop I mean you can go on your own but you really need that foundation so I yeah that yeah and the violence doesn't just happen you know now everybody's like a lot of lessons I don't know if, if you ever taught but you know the kids are like they want to play like in a year or like they're like right if I can can I just do um I have this like dubstep thing on the internet and like can I do it like in a year you know like no no dude. like. 10 no yeah 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 no way yeah um but um yeah i don't know i think the 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 teaching is developing like like and just the whole process of this next generation like and mark o'connor has a lot to do with that Mm -hmm. and his new method i think he's putting out his view and it's really good and i think there's going to be more that are going to pop up i I really do i mean there already is some especially in jazz but i think outside of jazz there's going to be like this whole new method I'm, I'm hoping you know yeah so, but he's he's on the cusp of it Mark Potter has you know.
Patrick tends to be a pretty hard-driving rocker, but I thought I'd share his cover of Hallelujah to show that he's got a lot of range, too. Check out the video on his YouTube page. You won't regret it. So let's talk about your new violin. Okay. Um, you've got actually several new violins. You're uh, you're amassing quite the collection. It's becoming ridiculous. I'm becoming the Jay Leno of violins over it's here. It's all right. It could be worse. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've got your your Zeta here, and, and those of you who if, if you're uh, if you don't follow Patrick on on social media, it's Violin on Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so follow him on social media. He's got a bunch of cool pictures up. Um, he but he just had a signature model Zeta made so let's, let's talk about that violin yeah so um i was wrestling with i've been getting electric violins for a while not really good ones and i was like all right it's time to buckle down and get the you know really good one i did my research like i mentioned i kind of came down to the viper zeta jazz fusion um just like doing all this homework i could without actually playing one and then um the fornis but uh came picked my Zeta you know I, I wrote Steve over there what was awesome was being able to talk with him like right. any future violin electric violin customers a benefit of, I know there was a few other companies too of course but the benefit of experience that I had with Zeta was just like talking to the owner right there calling him and him answering from his work booth you know right. like that's crazy like I was like what no that that was so awesome I can tell kind of talk about what I wanted you know the scrolls are different I have the, the Jolly Pony scrolls and mm-hmm. scene what's the benefit of that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then just like, okay, so then I went with uh, Jolly Pony, but then I wanted my name on the side because I'm egotistical. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, come on, man, if I'm going to get this violin, That's right. I don't want nobody else's name on it. Like, I'll have Zeta. But I was like, Jolly Pony, yes, master legend of the violin world. But I was like, I want my own name. He's never going to play this. No, no. And I don't sound like John McPonny, so I want to do my own thing. So, you know, I I went with that, and then as I was going along, I was like, I wanted to match my band, so I'm going to use my band. So then we just, I got, uh, he actually connected um, Larry Robinson um, inlays to do the inlay on my scroll, or my um, fingerboard. So then we did. It. We went with the old English. I was gonna put my name, and I go, oh, okay, it's just ridiculous. Dude. <laughs> let's, just, <laughs> let's go with the band name. So uh, yeah, I've got, we got a rose on it uh, with abalone shell, like a violin, and just awesome. But yeah, working with Steve was great. Um, I mean, like I said, just every we talked, emailed back and forth. Um, you know, originally I called the electric violin shop, but they were out of the one that I wanted. Right. And so I was like, oh well, then, you know, then I was I was thinking I was just gonna call Steve for advice, but then. We just connected, and he was just awesome. So, yeah, no, I'm happy with it. I've, man, it kind of exploded me back into electric violin. I was kind of going acoustic electric, just because that's what I've had to work with, mm-hmm. so I'm really comfortable. But an electric violin is completely, it's a different animal. Yeah, it's like, a different animal. It turns faster, it reacts more. Like I was mentioning earlier, I don't have to press in so damn hard. Like, man, we had a rehearsal with the band, and the band was just like, wow, I can hear every note. Like, yeah. It's not like... It kind of, no matter how much I worked at playing acoustic electric or acoustic with pickup, like, there was always this loss of, especially with chords or, like, clarity. Yeah. 
no matter what, you know, especially when I kick on that overdrive. And and there's so much like you're not going to feed back with this thing. No, you know, when yeah. you're dealing with acoustic electric. You're always sort of on the jagged edge of feedback, and it's I, I solid bodies to me are just so much more responsive. Yeah, I was you know nervous for anybody else out there that's an acoustic player. You know, they're different. I can't say anything like man, I still love my. I don't love anyone sound more. You know, I my playing style comes out more on electric I think but no do I love acoustic absolutely yeah because I when I really want like certain tones and stuff mm -hmm. but well that's why there's you know that's you look most guitar players have like right. rooms full of guitars right <laughs> when why? I saw Santana, they go, well, they're all yeah, different yeah yeah, yeah right? they're all different yeah yeah each 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 well it's just a, basically a tool right but man do I love I, I love it much like I said I'm I'm totally in now I'm gonna have to like go on a crazy my wife will probably stop me but you know <laughs> Just go until she does. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's your rig? What are you What are you playing through okay. right now? So, um, yeah, I got a Mesa Boogie uh, Lone Star two twelve. I had first played it years ago, and I've played a lot of other amps. I love Fender Reverb. Um, people have mentioned others, but I really like Fender and I like Mesa just because they're warm. They fit my sound. Um, but I have a little Fender Champ that I run for small jazz gigs, and then for uh, bigger gigs, yeah, I have my Mesa Boogie. Lone Star, which freaking screams with yeah. this, with this Zeta. It's like, it's so awesome. It's a great. It's not underrated for anybody out there that's listening. Like, is it that cool? Hell yes. Yeah. It freaking rocks when you feel that power, and if you get the fifth string. Please get the five string. You're not. If you're gonna spend that money, get the five string. Yeah. Like there is a difference when you hit that C and it there growls. Is, man. It's pretty. It's pretty bomb. So, um, yeah. Uh, I run through that, and then I have a pedal board. I was going to go with, I got the Line 6, uh, I don't remember, it wasn't the Helix. Yeah, you got the HD500. Yeah, HD500. So, yeah, we. I, I was like, worked about worked with it about a week, but then like I just ran my, I, I ran some analog pedals, like I was, I was at Guitar Center and I was just running through a bunch of stuff, and then went to a local shop and went further, and I just felt more connected with that. Mm -hmm. So I went and traded in the line, the pod, and then just got like, every dream pedal that I wanted. So I was like, you know, I, I always wanted this. always wanted this. So uh, basically I'm running um, a lot of mini stuff. I don't know why. I like the Ibanez Tube Screamer Mini. Oh, yeah. Um, the Pog Mini. Sure. Because I'm, I'm not a tinkerer like that. I'm just not. I wish I was. I like to have, I like to get find my settings and just turn it on, turn it off. Right. Like, and so I, I and I like, the, I like the analog feel for what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so running through a nice little pedal board Mesa Boogie 212 Lone Star, which, you know, I recommend to get. I know it's expensive, um, but you can find deals on Reverb.com. You get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah, it's, it rocks. I'll just say, you know. I, I, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to go all out. Like, I'm tired of cutting corners. I cut corners, and I got the cheap, and, like, I was like, you can't do this, man. You're not going to go to the, you know, race on the racetrack with a freaking Pinto. You right. need to go take your, like, hot rod. Yeah. So I need to get my hot rod together. I need to get my sound together. I need to stop fooling around and if I'm going to do this. So I feel I finally did a hunker down in the last year and like saved and built. And, and uh, no, man, it feels great. I love you got it. an arsenal now, man. Oh, I cannot wait to hit. First show's tomorrow night. I have three shows this weekend that I'm that I'm using the violin in. So I'm freaking, I cannot wait to play my band. Rehearsal was this rock and it felt great. So yeah. we, I have this like sort of funky version of Voodoo Child and I was like, it's never sounded more ripping especially when you put the lay pedals on just like yeah the electric reacts good acoustic's not bad the reason why I got into the acoustic electric was 
I didn't know. Plus, also, my... I don't know if you ever heard of Lily Hayden. Mm-hmm. Any chance? Um, big fan of hers, and so I wrote her at the time. And that's what she... So I wanted to emulate her. And it, I realized, you know, it works for her sound, but... You know, everybody's different. you got to find what right. works for yourself. Anyway, long story short, yeah, Zeta rocks. Um, This is from a Facebook video Patrick posted breaking in his new Zeta violin with some improv over While My Guitar Gently Weeps. I've got one of the glassers like you've got, okay. and I was just talking to Andrew Glasser tonight, oh, and, yeah. and he um, he was asking me, do I ever play it? And I said, well, you know, my band, I'm, I'm fully electric in my band, mm-hmm. but when I do acoustic jobs, if I go do, like, you know, my band will occasionally go do an acoustic set mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. I absolutely take the glasser. Right. It's a um, great gigging instrument. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's carbon fiber, so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about the heat, the humidity, right. the cold, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't play in cold because I don't like to be cold. But if it's uh, if it's 105 degrees outside right. and it's sitting in the sun, I don't worry about that violin. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, I stopped taking my acoustic out and for my acoustic, I started using the classic because the tone is actually really good. Yeah, it's actually a, a nice sound. I um, really like. It. And I love for anybody out there. Oh man, just when you're on stage, you need to control your treble bass. I mean, yes, you can have a pack and you can do the LR but back. It's right there. Set, but I love the fact that it's right there, the treble and the bass. I love the gain being mm-hmm. right there. Um, no, it's it's probably my second. I mean, I barely got the electric like a week and a half ago, so right. I'm just you know using that. But honestly, for like my little like especially for acoustic sounding gigs, that's the one I'll use for sure. Great gigging instrument. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, the glasser. So, but it's you know it's that's why I like a mechanic will have wrenches and right. screwdrivers and hammers. I mean. it's... Is a screwdriver better than a hammer? Well, it depends. Am I trying to turn a screw or pound a nail? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if we're pounding nails, we got to have hammers. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, to me, electric violins and rock. Right. And, well, that's... Yeah, I see that people try to make it work with acoustic. I, I, saw, I saw a post, I, I was just gigging, but I saw a post where someone posted, it was on one of the forums, and they posted my video as an example. And I was like, yeah, but you don't know how much feedback we had to, like... Yeah. I mean, it was, like, a pain. I had, like, five takes because... Yeah, somebody was asking, like, can you use distortion with an yeah, acoustic? Yeah, that was it. And they're like, well, look at Patrick Contreras. I, I saw like, it, and I was like, I, I want to respond, but I was, like, in the middle of a gig. Yeah. And I was like... Oh, and I forgot until we mentioned it right now, but yeah, and I want to tell them, you know, but they came with a lot of issues, man, and I fed back for years... Like, it's a running joke with my musicians. Oh, there goes Patrick again, screeching away. He's like, hit the wrong thing. He's, Whoa! 
Yeah. <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Excuse me. Must have been the tacos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's like a little fuzz in there that worked. But honestly, I was willing to recreate that and better. I'm like Zeta fast. You know, and I was worried about that. I was like, am I going to get that little like fluffy overdrive thing I like? And I was like, Pfft. yeah. And and you're a fast player, and and you find the Zeta. That thing is. Yeah. That's low and fast, yeah, man. I love he's, it. He's I, got those set up. You can rip on a Zeta. Yeah, you really can. Yeah, no, the action's great. So, no, I'm happy with it. Like I said, I, I, I think my next step is going to be a, I think a Wood Viper probably. And then, you know, hopefully a Fornish someday. We'll see. But uh, but definitely a Wood Viper. I mean, I'm excited about those. I always, those were kind of like the first ones I remember looking up. Like, yeah. Like years ago, like AOL dial-up internet electric violins and I think he was he hadn't even I don't know if he started wood violins yet it was right before that or something but he had like a website Mark Wood with his like ideas and yep. I was like I was like wow and I remember the Viper just like so I was one of the very early adopters really um Jesus was early yeah Valvagoda was early uh-huh. I was early okay I mean I was playing a Viper on Y2K what? Wow. So I, I was at, I played a Viper on stage that night and, okay. and had had one for a while. I don't remember how much further before that because... Well, did it even have like a business out yet? So when you ordered a Viper back in those days, you called his cell phone. Wow. And you talked to Mark on the phone and wow. he was in the shop building them wow. and he was painting them. And yeah, so I've been I've been in that world for a while. A while, yeah. Um, Dang. My my twenties are a little fuzzy, so <laughs> I said I was in a party band. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember what year I bought one. Right. I know it was in the late nineties. Right. Dang, that was early. That was a right about when I was like seeing them. Yeah. Just you'd have to random Google. You were like four years old. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it was like I mean I was a little older than that, but I mean I was definitely like young and just like looking at the and it blew my mind just yeah. to even see and the, and to even find like a clip. Yeah. You'd have to like go to a website, hit play, and it would buffer forever. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah I'm a, we're going to go get something to eat. <laughs> yeah. Come back. Yeah, no. Watch this 30-second grainy video. Right, right. Um, so, no, I, that'll be my next one. I just, you know. But, yeah, definitely happy with the Zeta. I think it's going to develop the sound. And I'm excited to do, like, I mean, I got my L Violin project, but I'm still doing other stuff. So, like, I'm, I mean, I think I'm finally going to redo like some rock stuff correctly yeah you you know for you guys if you're not following him you should you have such a wide variety of styles that you're just really really solid in thank you and um and it's and i guess at some point as an artist you go you know maybe i'm a young guy i got time to chase all these down (laughs) or you know maybe you know, maybe it's just sort of fun to incorporate some right. some blues into right. my. You know, so where where are you where are we headed from? Yeah, here? well, it's, I got both things going on basically because I'm a working musician and right. and I'm a breadwinner. Like I'm not saying that in egotistical way. I'm saying that in a responsibility way. Like my wife right now, we have two little ones. She's uh-huh. a stay at home mommy, so they depend on daddy to go out there and then hustle. Basically, the 2018 Gypsy violin. You know, sure. they're, they're just <laughs> hustling out of his case. You know, um, so a lot of the Style stuff is funny. It's just come out of like, I'm not going to turn down a gig. I mean, right. I mean like, you know like that? All right. I have a good enough ear and a sense of feel that it's like, all right, I'm down for this Jewish wedding. Let's see it. Yeah. Let me go. Let me go to YouTube and just like uh, look at uh, the tutorial. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So I've been able to pull it off. But I mean, like, 
I've had some for like some little runs in different genres that surprised me, like jazz. I'm not a jazz player by any means. Like Evan's a jazz player, like right. straight up. I'm not. I'm just improvising, like faking it till I make it. But I've got man, I've gotten on some like I've gotten as a key act on some jazz festivals in California, like some pretty decent sized ones, and I've played some legendary like baked potato in Hollywood. I've played there a few times. Um, how do I even get here? Like I, I'm not a jazz player, you know, but like. I think that early days of mariachi or just like always wanting to improvise and harness that's something I always did like no matter what style I went through I'm always been interested in harnessing my improvising and I, so yeah I jumped into like um, country and bluegrass like in our area where I'm in Fresno it's it's farm and agriculture so mm-hmm. like man there's like a obviously going to be country music right. and, and there's a hardcore Merle ha- I mean because Bakersfield's like not far from yep. Fresno so the Bakersfield sound hugely is influenced for them. So, I mean, I've played with members of Merle Haggard's band. Like, they've taught me tricks. Like, I got into it, you know? And, yeah. and, and And part of that was, like, me challenging myself. I didn't grow up with that music. But wanting to learn and push. I think anybody out there wanting to learn improv, I mean, find your niche. But for me, personally, I liked going into situations I normally wouldn't go into. So, like, the bluegrass. I went to, I did hip-hop. So, like, I had a little hip-hop run. It's funny. Like, I did... My wife was like, when we got married, I was so different. I was in like world music and serious music and I'm a, I like jazz and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uppity. And like my wife was like into Britney Spears and like pop music. And I remember thinking, oh man. How could she? Yeah, how could she? Like, <laughs> she's like, I don't know. They're fun songs. What do you want me to say? And like, over time, I sort of warmed up. So I was like, yeah, all right. It's a fun song. Like, who cares? Like, you know, the Britney Spears Toxic is a good song. Like, I don't know what the... <laughs> The breakdown. Yeah, it's catchy. All right, I admit it. You know, and like, she sort of influenced me. So I remember she told me, why don't you do some like EDM and like hip hop stuff? You do it all the time anyway. When you're just like practicing over stuff. And I was like, yeah, but that's just in my room, you know? And she's like, we'll do it. So I remember we went to the studio. We were living in like the arts district of Fresno, which was kind of where the poor hippie artists live, you know? Right. Like, and, and we lived in like a little apartment in, the, in between, not joking, three bars. So it was like one bar across the street, one bar across the street, one bar next to us. And like, Every night, you know, everybody gets out of club at one thirties, yelling, fighting, shouting. You know, we lived in the middle of that when we were first married. So there's like all these like little studios you can go record in, pay fifty bucks. So we went to a studio, literally filmed like the next day. Got my buddy, cameraman, and we went and just like jammed like a few tunes. And then um, I remember walking down to Starbucks and uh, getting coffee, coming back. Like, the video had uploaded, and it was already, like, at 20,000 hits. And I was like, we just uploaded this. How did wow. that happen? And it was um, Rise and Fall, this, like, dubstep thing I did. And then, uh, apparently, World Star Hip Hop had somehow popped up in the time I went to Starbucks and came back. Wow. Posted it. So people were, like, commenting on my video. You're on World Star, blah, blah, blah. Like, World Star Hip Hop, people don't know. It's, like, sort of, like, it's an urban website. I mean, there's, like, a lot of fights and crazy stuff on there. But a lot of hip-hop artists emerging or breaking out of there. And sometimes they'll feature, like, the talent of the week. So that's what I got featured on. And I think Black Violin's been on there, too. And uh, a few others, Damien Escobar. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they put my video up, and then they put my next three videos up. And that's wow. I was doing hip-hop for, like, a year because that's what I was getting hired. So I was sure. doing, like, hip-hop shows and EN shows. But then I really didn't go fully into it because it got weird. Like, I, this is my wife before we had kids, so of course she'd come to me to every gig. Right. And we're having fun, partying, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the EDM shows were weird because it'd be like 
15 year olds in like small little outfits and I'm like I want to scold you I'm not trying to perform yeah. for you like you know like does your mother know yeah yeah it was so weird I was like okay this is not my scene you know I love the music and so I don't know that was, it was fun and then like I said I did some hip hop stuff like and I got got to open up for some people and like totally do it but it just it was a part of my chapter you know um you know so but but yeah that was my wife's influence This is audio from the video that went viral while Patrick was eating lunch one day. It's called Epic Dubstep Violin. So, like, with the jazz, like, um, I kind of think everybody's natural progression is to get this death on Grappelli first. Sure. So I got into Grappelli. This was, like, right around, was in college, doing flamenco, and um, got into Grappelli. No jazz teachers in Fresno. Fresno's, like, a, we're cut off for anybody that doesn't know where it's at. It's in Central California. And it's kind of like us, and there's a ring of desert. And then there's, like, San Francisco three hours away north, and L.A. three hours away south. And then Yosemite's, like, an hour away just to... Um, East of us, so kind of cut off. We don't think there's no jazz violin teachers. There's nothing, and you know YouTube's just coming out. So I'm I'm doing what I can, going on Amazon, listening to the sample clips because I'm too broke to buy music, and like you know maybe finding like a dollar special at Block or uh, Tower Records at the time, which is still open, and um, but you know hunting, searching. So I got into jazz. I I found some guy who played gypsy jazz. He taught me kind of a little bit of things, and then developed and developed. Um, and did everything by ear. So, like, I really got into Regina Carter. I don't know if you know who she mm-hmm. is. Uh, yeah. Really, that was, like, the first one that blew my mind. I was like, whoa. She, like, I really liked Jelly Pony And, like, you know, there was a lot of good players. Jerry Goodman, et cetera, et cetera. I, got, I went through everybody. But nobody hit me like Regina Carter hit me. And I was like, whoa. So I got into her. And then from her, I guess, the related artist. So I got into mm-hmm. Steph Smith. I got into her teacher, John Blake. And then I just started finding all these players. And then... So I learned that by ear, and then just, like, would randomly, I don't know how this happened, but I got randomly, I still do, like, I do random one-off jazz gigs. I need to, like, actually learn the style. I need to, like, pay Evan for, like, a year. To yeah. <laughs> but, like, I got in, and I'll get random calls. Like, um, I opened up for Stanley Clark. I got a call, like, that day, and wow. they were like, hey, we're in Fresno. They heard you, we heard you're the guy. And I'm like, who, okay, uh... They're like, um, yeah, uh, we need an opener night. You want to come down here? And, and so I went down there and like 
Wow. His crew is like runs deep, man. I was like, they're from um, Detroit. Yeah. And uh, they were gangster, man. They were like, they were sipping stuff back there, and I was like, whoa, this is like, is this jazz right here? Like, I was like, dang, man. I think probably I was Benita's cousins or something. Shoot, this is like, it's crazy. This look like the jazz guy. So like, go to his bus. They're like, what do you play? And I was like, oh, I just play violin. You know, I was all nervous, you know. And then like, like play something. And I was like, okay. So I just played um, Alicia Keys, if I ain't got you, like in my R&B style. And then they're like, all right, you're on. And I was like, oh, sweet. So just like random calls. So I, from from opening up for Stanley Clark, I got a call to open up for Al Jarreau. I got a call to open. And I'm not even like in that, but I just improvised well enough to kind of fake it, you know. But I wouldn't say it was stellar or anything like that. But So my friend tours with Al Jarreau, or did. Really? Yeah. What does he um, play? He's their guitar player. Well, he probably played that night. It was at Warburg yeah. Park in Fresno. Wow, what a trip. His name's John Calderon. He's, oh, he's man. a beast. Yeah, that whole band is crazy. So, yeah, so, I don't know. If you're out there, Evan, teach me jazz. <laughs> Although, I was listening to his tips. So, yeah. I'm going to take that advice. Literally breaking down a Jolly Pie solo from when I was like, oh, that so hard. One last break before we wrap things up here. You're listening to Patrick's version of Maggot Brain, the Eddie Hazel masterpiece so known for its incredible range of emotions. Before we get one last story from Patrick, and this one is about hanging out with Selena's dad in Texas, I want to thank our sponsor. It's no secret that I work at Electric Violin Shop a couple days a week when I'm not out on the road with my band. But I was a customer there before I was an employee. I had always been blown away by their incredible selection and expertise, but I I really didn't understand the depth of it. One of my first jobs when I started was to play every instrument in the building. It's hard to sell something you don't know anything about, so I had to get acquainted. The thing that really struck me was how good all the violins sounded. Obviously, they all feel and sound different, and I'm used to a really specific thing with my Viper. But even the violins in the lower pricing tiers, the, the under $1,000 instruments, they felt and sounded good. Chris and Susie explained to me that dozens of manufacturers contact EVS asking if we'll carry their instruments, but that we only accept the ones that we feel good about standing behind. Over 90% of our customers never set foot in a store. So we want you to know that when you order an instrument from us, sight unseen, that we as players can vouch for its quality and reliability so that you can buy with confidence. And of course, if something doesn't meet your standards, we have a 30-day return policy, no hassle. If you don't like it, just send it back and we'll refund your money. So you can find us, electricviolinshop.com on the web and Electric Violin Shop on all of your social media platforms. All right, so one more story from Patrick. I think you're going to like it. It's a good one.
so, um, I'll just quickly touch on the Selena thing really quick. Yeah. So, like, I was doing, um, God, I don't know how I got into Hanna music. Some local guy from Fresno, like, hit me up. He tours in Texas a lot. And I was like, hey, um, I want you to play this band. I was like, I've never done Taylor music. And they really listened to it, to be honest. And so, because I did mariachi, and that's a whole different... Yeah, very different. Different thing. Um, and so I got into it, and we were kind of doing the... Like, I didn't realize there was such a scene in Texas for Tejano music. I was like... You can make a fortune playing I know. in Texas. Yeah, I had no idea. It was like a whole world exploded out of my mind. just blew my mind. So, like, um, but a lot of um, Mexicans over there will, you know, will sing a George Strait song just as much as they're going to sing a Tejano song. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of go together. So he was doing this whole vibe, this kind of, like, cowboy Tejano thing. Okay. Is, so I was touring with him, and we are in Texas, and, you know... Um, Mind blown about the Texas music scene. I did. It was awesome. You know, um, Texas is like mecca, dude. There's so much talent in Texas. Yeah, I was just like shocked. Yeah, I was like, wow, live music is so important over here. Sometimes in California, it kind of gets lost. Sometimes, to be honest, not as appreciated. At least where I'm from, too. Like everything has to be sort of like '80s rock or like or country, and like you don't fit in. If it's that. so, to have Texas was just like so open was cool. But um, we go to Corpus Christi. And that's where Selena's family's from. Mm-hmm. You got to see the statue? I did, yeah, we did. We stopped by the statue. Can you tell I played down there? <laughs> <laughs> it was a trip, man, yeah. We, and so we went to the studios, um, uh, his family, and it was to meet her sister because she produced town on their meeting for something. Anyway, the dad comes out. Just like the movie Grumpy, you know? Oh, that's like, awesome. What are you doing here, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, we're telling him. And, and I, I'm just like nervous all the time. And so we're talking and... He's like, well, I'm hungry. He wants to go to lunch. And I was like, I want to, you know, yeah, I want to go. So, I want to go eat lunch yeah, with Selena's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, all right. So he gets his, like, Nissan Ultima. And then, like, he's like, where do you want to go? What do you feel like? And I was like, well, what you? I'm not from here. You tell me. He's like, seafood, you know. So we go get Snapper, this little hole-in-the-wall Mexican place. So good. Like, fried fish and, like, rice and beans. So, like, we had fresh Snapper, rice and beans, fresh tortillas. Like, so good. And he's just, like, going on about stories about Selena and, like, talking about what it was like, which I was relating to him a lot. Like, what it was like to be a Hispanic artist back in those days. And, like, mm-hmm. they just wouldn't accept him no matter what. And he was showing us demos. And they sounded great. It straight up sounded like the Four Tops or something. It sounded, like, so good. But they weren't having it back then. And, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't... We weren't there yet. And uh, But just sharing with us. And then he takes us back to... Uh, the studio um, and he's like well come upstairs so we go upstairs and he's like showing us taking this big vault of unreleased Selena videos and he's showing us videos of her like 12, 13 years old so gigs that she got she was doing like a lot of um, proms high school proms so it shows her like you know terrible sound system right right And but she's not sounding out of tune at all even out of town like 13 year old dancing you know legit talent you know it's like nice to see like a legit talent I was like wow okay so she's really no it's like not just editing like she's really talented like you know and uh, but I remember him I'm connecting this because this kind of connects to El Violin like he said to me he's like when are Mexican Mexican American artists and like where we're at right now is that we're great at copying everybody else. Like, what's what we do? You know, we pick up other crafts and we copy it well. When 
He's like, but what Selena did, what she showed was there's this whole demographic um, that went largely kind of ignored, which is the Mexican-American. Like, Mexican music is catering more towards Mexican. And he's like, whoa, but there's this whole, like, people here that we're American, right. but we're of Mexican descent, and it's a large population. I remember he told me, when are Mexican-American artists going to start finding our voice? What's our sound? Like, I remember he said it vividly, like, Motown had their sound, Detroit, Memphis, Texas. Right. When are, and then, and that, I was like, wow. I didn't really take it as much then. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. And I just kind of went about, oh, and I'm just more impressed with Selena videos, honestly. But then it dwelled in me over, like, some time. And, uh, and honestly, that's what led to El Violin, like, um, happening was that I was like, what if I took everything I learned and then I made it into my own voice? Like, and I wasn't trying to do a Mexican American sound, but I was like, but it's part of my makeup. And right. okay, how do I tell that story? And and that's where it, that's where it started. And then you know, like I was mentioning earlier, there's I was apprehensive about people, you know, finding out to play Mexican music or whatever. But I think the whole idea is wrong. Like I'm not doing Mexican music, Mexican American music for Mexican Americans. I'm doing Mexican American music for everybody. Like I'm opening up a restaurant. I don't want everybody to come to my restaurant. I want everybody right. to taste my flavors of music, feel it, get it. You know, maybe learn something new or or get a different vibe. So. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm I'm of Irish descent, and I like tacos. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I love and, Irish. <laughs> you know. So it's it's not. It, I, I sort of. I mean, I agree with you in, in that you're not. The only thing I would change is you're not making music for Hispanic people. You're making music for you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the thing is, other people, you know, if you happen to like my music, then I don't care who you are or where you're from. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I listen to all kinds of music myself. Like, right. I'm not thinking. I'm just like digging. The, you know, whatever the sound is. They asked Keith Urban about that. They said, "Well, you're a you're a uh, you're an Australian guy uh-huh. playing like American country music." Right. Goes, ah, you guys got too many labels, man. He said, "There's two kinds of songs. There's good songs and there's bad songs. I, I do my best to play good songs. <laughs> you, know, you, you go. You guys can." You guys can judge for yourselves whether yeah. my songs are good or bad, but yeah. you know my my aim is to play good songs. Yeah, and I that's like that. that's where categories sort of end. Right. Yeah. Like the radio that. people have to they have to categorize things because they have to tell people what kind of radio station they are. Right. But in my world, there's good music and there's bad music. Right. I try to play good music. Yeah, I know. I I'm, I'm with that for sure. <laughs> That was my friend Patrick Contreras. Follow him on social media at Violin on Fire, all one word, Violin on Fire. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to his channel on YouTube. Also check out electricviolinshop.com on the web and on all those same platforms. Now we'll let Patrick play us out here with a little bit of Hendrix. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time with another rock star violinist. <laughs>